Hi there, Sound of Play listeners. This is Tom Quilfell. I spoke to composers for media, especially video games, Mikolai Stroinsky and Gary Scheiman. You'll likely have heard of at least some of their work in games like The Witcher 3, The Vanishing of Ethan Carter, Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite, Middle-earth Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War, and many, many more. I chatted to them about their wildly experimental score for the recently released puzzle platformer Metamorphosis, their film score influences, and their expectations for next-gen consoles in terms of interactive music. Developed by Polish studio Ovid Works and based on the Franz Kafka novel of the same name, Metamorphosis sees the player crawling around as a bug in various Honey I Shrunk the Kids meets Tim Burton environments. It's a blast and worth your time. We were recording across three time zones and the audio isn't fantastic for the two interviewees, but I hope it's at least listenable and that you enjoy the chat. Specifically in regards to kind of metamorphosis, this dramatic and aesthetically rich game, uh, that, that both of your previous projects are kind of fall into those categories as well, very dramatic and, and full of life. And um, Mikolai, can you tell us, uh, tell the audience a little bit about how you came to this project and also um, how it was that you, you came to invite Gary to collaborate? Yes, of course. Um, I was giving a lecture in Warsaw on, um, I don't remember the occasion exactly, but I was speaking about, obviously, uh, video game music. And and afterwards, the people who invited me for this for this event invited me over for a uh, beer. And with us came a bunch of people who listened to the lecture. And um, at some point, a group of people approached me uh, asking if I would like to score their game. And they showed me a, b- a little bit of that on, on an iPhone, and it looked promising. It was very early stage of that, but, you know, I've never scored anything like that. And uh, that was fun. And um, a couple of months later, or maybe even a year later, um, I started composing for that. And as I was trying different things, as I was, as I was, in other words, waiting until the game speaks to me musically what it wants, the more I was trying, the more it was obvious that you know, lo and behold, it wanted eight-hole music, the symphonic music. And so I was really happy to, to, to discover that. And what followed was, hey, I thought that, you know, Gary, for my very uh, much value as a, as a friend and, and composer, you know, would love that too. He, this, is, this is the kind of music that, that he will have fun writing. So I invited him over and, and he said yes. Was it a co-composition? Did you, you both work on pieces together or was it a division of labor it was a division uh i composed my my theme gary composed his we swapped themes uh, between each other and uh it 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 the, the process rolled way uh, that um you know i got my part of the game to score and and gary got his yes that that was the process and uh i i don't think i've ever worked on a comp on well, you know, I, I've had, there's been a couple instances where I have started a composition and then passed it over to someone to finish the second half because it was a theme that they were using or something, but that's very rare. But in this instance, no, we both wrote, we shared themes, but we both wrote our, 
individual cues ourselves. Metamorphosis is totally explicitly inspired by literature, which stands a little bit in contrast to quite a lot of video games that, as we know, for better or worse, are inspired by cinema and, and films. If it's a, a more bookish, quote-unquote, game than it is a movie game, does that change the kind of opportunities or the challenges for scoring it? Um, you know, in contrast to an obviously filmic game like, a you know, a Call of Duty, I guess. Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, and to fully answer this question, we have to compare the book and movie of the same genre. Uh, as the base for the game. And the book, in my opinion, is uh, by far a better inspiration than a movie because it leaves everything to imagination. Uh, it leaves a lot of things open. And we don't have to see things through director's eyes, for instance. And um, as such, as such an inspiration, it's it, it much more, it, 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 yeah, what can I say here? Uh, it, it, like I said, the outcome of this, it can be much more open and free. And, you know, we could, we could have scored Metamorphosis uh, in many ways. It, it could have been scored in many ways, but we chose, you know, this way and we liked it and we felt it was fitting. And, you know, if, if it was a film, actually, then, of course, you, in this contemporary world and for many years, you'd have to compete or to contend with attempt score. We didn't have any of that. So we were completely op open to creating something quite unique, you know, inspired by the uh, the music of that period, but uh, sort of a mishmash of, of uh, inspiration and mixing our own styles with it. And, you know, so it, I mean, that's really how most art is created, isn't it? I mean, if you think about it, someone, whether it's uh, Michelangelo or, or Shakespeare, they were, they were not writing out of thin air. They were responding to the writing and the music and the visual painting or art of the time. So we're, we basically took inspiration from the book and from the art. I mean, I, I mean, if you look at, if you look, I don't know if this is true. I'd like to ask the development team, like if you look at some of the imagery in the game itself, uh, it looks like, I don't know if you know the paintings of Egan Schula, but I, I love his work. And that's very expressionist. So the, the game, the, the, the book is expressionist. The game has a look of expressionism and, and obviously is inspired by an expressionist artistic, um, you know, foundation. So it, it really is, is somewhat unique and provided us a, a kind of a unique palette to do some cool stuff. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because it makes me think of, uh, I went to a talk with the, uh, people behind the concept art of Dishonored. And I remember them being, you know, very carefully thinking about the concept art for that game. And it seemed to me that kind of fine art and paintings were as much an inspiration for that game as anything from cinema as well. And I think now that we have the tools like, uh, in this case, Unreal Engine for smaller teams to do something a bit richer creatively or braver than a big team we're, we're definitely well within an era of video games now and long may it continue where it doesn't it, you know we can take artistic inspiration from you know architect interesting architecture from different periods uh, as you say fine art um, literature it doesn't all just have to be about um, cribbing from 
you know, mid late 20th century cinema. I agree I totally. And I think video games, from my perspective, have been super creative from a comp- compositional perspective. I mean, I, I've, I've said this many times, worth always, to me, it's worth repeating that the, the most interesting things people have ever asked me to write have been for video games by far. And it's interesting, dwelling slightly on this point, both of you, I think about Vanishing of Ethan Carter, Mikolai, which is kind of Stephen Kingy, um, but it's also quite Twin Peaksy. The Witcher is obviously Sepkowski, but there's still some, I guess, Western fantasy um, tropes, or it subverts those tropes in there, visually speaking. And then Gary, obviously Middle Earth, Shadow of... Uh, Mordor and Shadow of War that's that's literally book versus film Tolkien versus Peter Jackson and Bioshock with Iron Rand and for me Bioshock is very kind of Jean-Pierre Jeannot the city of lost children that kind of thing so I mean this isn't the first time you guys have kind of come up against literarily inspired games it, it must be really nice to work with game developers who are kind of want to explore richer you know intellectual territory and what I find interesting is all the examples of, of the games that you've given that we scored, um, all those marriages, those, you know, coupling, so to speak, <laughs> they, they are also a great marriages of uh, wonderful storytelling and visuals and the production aspect of those as well. And uh, both of these factors are very inspiring for us composers. We, we love these kind of projects. And, you know, I wish myself and Gary to get more of those in the future. Yeah, that the I mean, this really is really why I wanted to become a film game composer initially was to really be this creative. And I think this is, is sort of uh, is kind of the ideal type of project from a composer's perspective. So to, to really have this sort of carte blanche creatively to come up with really cool stuff. We didn't have all the money in the world, that's for sure, but we had really creative partners and uh, they were very open to, to something different and new. Of course, they were doing something so cool and, and experimental. So it, it, it really, uh, this, this is the kind of thing that makes me so grateful to be doing this stuff, you know. What struck me, and I, I am not a Kafka reader, unfortunately. Maybe I will be in the near future. Metamorphosis is a, it's a funny game. You know, it's 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 not really a horror game. It's kind of, I guess it depends how frightening you find bugs. But um, it's kind of unsettling and there's that feeling of being unmoored from reality, that kind of Alice in Wonderland quality. But it's not it's not sort of frightening. So did the did the developers kind of communicate to you guys that tone or was that something you found organically together? 
they didn't give us any references really and thank god like like gary said you know we had carte blanche and and this is in this part carte blanche is is uh, sometimes a curse but in this case it was a blessing and so um everything was left to our in, uh, interpretation and the music is exactly as you've described the game unsettling but at the same time you can sense the humor in it um, it is uh, all about finding the right degree of uh, scary and funny and um, during the composition process i had to uh, watch it and be aware of the factors that could push me too much uh, in either direction so uh, that's how it went yeah it's it's not ha ha funny it's it has it's an irony it has it has a really cool irony to it and we thought the um the inclusion of the sprechstimme vocal which has that sort of ironic almost humorous but in a very sophisticated way kind of vibe singer not been fantastic and Joanna Freshel is that then it could have sounded terrible <laughs> it would not it would not have worked you had to have and in fact we had I had hired a singer who did not work out here in LA so we found this absolutely fantastic singer who was perfect and that made it just the right tone of irony without sounding but seriousness you know what I mean? That's and I think that's true of uh, of Kafka and of the game itself. So it has a sort of ironic. It's not like like uh, horrific at all, but it 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 has this sort of interesting, ironic, you know, sophisticated vibe. The the, the singing, like if you would if you take it away from music and and play it to someone who never heard music in their lives, that would sound like a chaotic, crazy person talking, like maybe even drunk. <laughs> but uh, for some reason, you you have you sense that this is coming from serious music of the past. As kind of um, artistically and intellectually rewarding as uh, the whole project is, but the music and and the game, it's still an it's still an entertainment product. It's still a platformer, quite a difficult platformer actually. Um, and a puzzle game you know it's still it's still a video game it's still quite gamey in some ways so did you guys have to kind of bear in mind that um, you know at the end of the day this isn't a brand new structure for video games it's still a kind of a level based thing where you, the music to some extent has to push and motivate the player in that usual video game way of you know come and get to the final ledge and get through the final door and then we give you a nice sting to kind of push you through the story i i don't think there's much there's many things happening in the music um but the uh, you know as you know the main goal of the music is to create uh, or strengthen the existing emotion um in the game and and if this is achieved and the emotion is like you said unsettling in this case uh, then the player will want to settle, will want to, you know, get rid of this emotion and therefore move for, move forward in in a way. On top of that, there is a there is also a, a, a certain mechanic in in in, in music. Uh, there is a pulse that pushes the uh, the player forward as well. 
you know, I'll just say that um, one of my one of the great, maybe the greatest film composer of all time is John Williams, and his music almost always does two things. Separately from, uh, it, it's always supporting the film. It's never missing that. It's it's always uh, achieving its critical important goal as part of a uh, an expensive you know um, production that's meant to make money. You know, it, it's that's part of the the industry. But uh, separately, it also is so well written that it's it's artistic, and I think that's the. That's the highest goal of any of us doing this is to both fulfill the critical goal of underscoring whether it's a film, TV show, or a game, but also if you can elevate it a little higher than that while achieving that fundamental um, um, imp- important goal, then you've done something really cool. And I think I think that we've achieved that. I mean, I'm patting our, our I'm patting ourselves on the back here, but I think <laughs> we, in this instance we have achieved that. Yeah, and it's I mean, some of it is there's a little bit of I'm sure when you're actually writing, you know, the bars and the 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 actual recording of it and stuff. Presumably, there's only so much you can think about its placement in the game unless you're a composer who has a build of the game and you're kind of doing the implementation as you go to some extent depending on the game depending on the development so you're you're slightly at the mercy of the developers and where they're going to place music and also their own ability as level designers and as narrative designers and then on the on the back end when there's a you know when the soundtrack album is ready it just depends on the whole project whether it's going to be an enjoyable listen for just a listener outside of the game to to hear the album uh and as you say gary it seems to be that the the it's a sort of happy accident if if both of those if all of that goes well double thumbs up but ultimately it's the game that comes first isn't it yep yes it is where someone's spending a lot of money to make something and they they need to you know, at least have the potential to earn money. Not every game, not every film or television show earns money. We know that. That's the the uh, the market ultimately determines that. But you know, I, I suppose there's there are in many number of instances where the goal is just to be creative. I do remember working with um, um, on Bioshock, and Ken Levine saying that. You know what we're going to do? This is before anyone knew that it was going to be a, a successful game. But he says we're going to make this really amazing game, and we're going to do it to what we think is is uh, is to spe- specs that we think are are, are meet our uh, imagination of what's possible. And if the market accepts it, great. If it doesn't, then then the hell with it, and he and he really had that sort of attitude, and it and that because of that, it permitted a really creative game that fortunately the market uh, uh, you know embraced. Thank you.
I think the gamers like aesthetic cohesion, and I think that's something that all, both of all of the games I mentioned uh, earlier for both of you. Uh, you know, e- I think about Ethan Carter. I think about Bioshock. There's something just so rich, and also something so cohesive about those in terms of tone and writing and visuals and music i can't even imagine hearing a score from either of you guys that wasn't for that was you know for something i don't know sillier or um more of a juxtaposition that it seems to be that you you both really love this playing in this um emotionally rich uh pool of creativity you want want me to send you some of my worst cues i could <laughs> I could find a few. I think <laughs> I've written a few bad kids. Man, I've, I've written many too. <laughs> this is I mean, this isn't unapologetically. What I love about this game, particularly, I my my surname is is Quillfelt. My my surname comes from Germany. I'm I'm English and British, but um, my granddad was German, and it, I don't. But uh, there's loads of fantasy games and stuff where it's kind of Germanic loosely in terms of tropes but this is a very germanic it's possibly the most germanic game i've ever played you know very thinky if anyone knows kafka they know they're in for a weird time of it and um i love that one of your inspirations schoenberg you know i think i hear schoenberg i think it's very germanic it's very thinky and it's very difficult to listen to presumably you felt license from the developers you felt you had the um you know the loosening of the of of the rope to be able to kind of unsettle players with some really weird stuff from the very beginning i felt we were giving a very large green light to uh to whatever we come up with i they just trust, trusted uh us maybe based on our uh, previous credits i'm not sure <laughs> um but they were yeah i mean uh, who knows uh but uh, we never had any negative comment uh from um from them um they were they were fine with our choices and it's and i have to say it's really great great that they agreed uh for us to go this direction it's not always an easy mu- music to listen to and we appreciate their courage and and being being open-minded very much I, let me just say i think they heard it and they recognized that we were in the right direction too i, I mean we were sending stuff to them if we'd have been doing something you know really that wasn't appropriate they would have they would have come back, but I think I just think that Demikolai and I were just kind of clued in on the right direction for this, and um, it went very well and smoothly. I mean, this express this song. Uh, I may have butchered the pronunciation of that. It's kind of the I think about mumble rap, you know, in the charts these days, and sort of <laughs> rappers half singing, half speaking, and and this this does feel like the original mumble rap um, somehow. I really hope that I assume that the lyrics are in German. Are they? I really hope they're full of in jokes and silliness that 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 would be lost on most people. I think this Sprechgesang technique is uh, is more melodic than uh, it's more fluid than rap. I, when I think of rap, it's it's very much rhythmic, and 
and the, the pitch direction is secondary there or sometimes not existent. Whereas here, it's, it's like painting lines, I would say. That's how I envision this. And it was fun. Uh, John Preshel, the singer, and I had tons of good time uh, during uh, during the recording. There was some trial and error, of course, um, but it was very satisfying, and we felt we were crossing boundaries. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a you know I'm I'm glad we went this way. And and in terms of uh, the German that I used, I did I I, um, I got some help from one of my former students. Um, Robert Wolf and Robert is German, although speaks perfect English and lives here in LA and he was in my USC class. And I, I asked him to help me and I asked him to use as the source Kafka, the German ah. uh, original, uh, the original Kafka. So I kind of let him go. And I just said, you know, just find, find something. And, and I really kind of trusted him to, uh, to do something cool. And Gary, did you use this project as an excuse to kind of go back to some especially Northern European reference listening, maybe classical music and uh, mentally sail over the Atlantic, as it were? Well, it was, I'm not sure um, about the nor I wasn't thinking about Northern, any particular part of Europe. Uh, definitely Schoenberg was an inspiration and uh, I studied for three years with a gentleman named George Tremblay when I when I graduated from USC uh, and we only and George only taught 12 tone <laughs> So I went back to some of those roots that I had developed for three years of literally writing almost nothing but 12-tone, except for some scoring work I was getting at that time. So uh, that it was maybe that route. Of course, uh, George Tremblay, by the way, he taught almost all, all a lot of composers in that period, including Tom Newman. Um, but he um, was a tremendous exponent of Schoenberg and he knew Schoenberg personally uh, and so it really, it felt like I was going back to those roots as well uh, although I never used Sprechstemme, Sprechgesang either term, although there's that, they're actually uh, slightly a new, there's a nuanced difference between the two um, but in any event uh, it, it, it was just it just felt like I, I, I was, my inspiration was uh, German Expressionism and uh, the, such an interesting, unique period, relatively short-lived, uh, you know, but fascinating. And I love the art of that period, and I love the architecture and the music and the literature. I can't say that I'm, I've read a lot of Expressionist books, but certainly all the uh, the other art that was inspired in that period is just fascinating. Always fascinated me. So when this came along, it was like. Yes, it just seemed like a natural fit. Uh, I, uh, I I didn't feel either like like I was diving into something very Germanic or Northern European, as you put it. But it was definitely a uh, a new territory musically uh, for me. 
Um, I uh, took more inspiration on my part of music from uh, from Bernard Herrmann, and I coupled it with uh, with Spreckstimme. And so, um, yeah, that was that was my my way of going. Uh, there is one thought that came to my mind as you were talking about German colors in music. As I said, I used the Bernard Herrmann uh, sound, and I used a lot of uh, muted horns and muted uh, muted brass instruments. And if you listen. If you listen to uh, to scores um, that are that accompany um, Second World War movies, you know whenever you see Nazis, there is a there is a there is a high chance that you're going to hear muted horns or muted trumpets. It's such a rich game. I guess I'm I'm getting a lot of the German uh, vibes from the actual finished game, you know. Uh, and also, I guess you know, viewing it from a European lens, playing it sat in Europe and uh, with with um, Northern European relatives, I, I possibly can't help but see and hear those those influences. But it's interesting because I also feel like there's a lot of LucasArts and Double Fine, uh, Peter McConnell's stuff for uh, uh, Grim Fandango, Psychonauts in Metamorphosis. This kind of, I guess, cartoony but in a video gamey way. I don't know how well you guys might have listened to Peter's work over the years, but uh, I presume that he has learned from the same composers that you guys might have uh, studied across, you know, 19th century, 20th century, classical jazz, film composers. I mean, it must be a lot of fun to kind of think, does it feel like you're introducing video gamers to new things? You're educating them to just even a small degree. I hope, you know, I really hope that video games will be this kind of bridge to players that will help, that will inspire them to listen to this kind of more uh, demanding, more intellectual music. It, it might be difficult, but it's like reading books, you know? I mean, you can't, I mean, can you really say that someone is not ready for certain books? Possibly, but, you know, that's why we need, you know, education and, and the elements that uh, shape um, tastes, uh, and this will allow um, broader public to, uh, to listen to this kind of music. Yeah, I think in general, one of the cool things, and, and it's not why we do this, you know, but it is, I think it has this added advantage that people who, and this has been true of film scores for decades, that people who rarely or never would go to a, a, a concert hall to hear an orchestra are being introduced to concert music and to orchestral music, and some of them will come out of that with a love of uh, orchestral, of uh, classical music, uh, and and attend. It may be a small percentage, but it could be a, that could still be a significant number of people. And and also, you if you go to video game concerts, you'll see people that rarely attend. Uh, the concert hall, but are there because they love the music associated with their favorite films or games, you know. So that I guess that would be true. I, I don't think we wrote it like, oh wow, that this is going to introduce people to you know early 20th century German expressionist music. 
it, it was just because it felt appropriate. And if someone becomes curious about it, then it's a huge, I, I consider that a huge bonus and a wonderful thing. But it's, I, don't, I don't think, for me, I'm not thinking about that when I'm writing it. I'm just thinking about making it work in the game, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we we should still send out the you know mentally send out the message to developers that it, it would be fun to give uh, talented composers like yourselves more opportunities to get wild and get uh, get referential. Uh, are there any types of musics that you guys can think of that personally in your hearts you'd love to put in a game, you know, that, that, that haven't really been explored together? Off the top of my head, I was thinking about John Cage or Philip Glass or certain types of minimalism. Obviously, video games necessitate, you know, sometimes direct music and, and music of a certain pace or whatever, or certain emotions, which is why I think, Gary, when you're saying about the concert hall, uh, my own pet love is of Final Fantasy music, which when it when converted to the orchestra is always, you know, very romantic, huge, sweeping, epic. Uh, and I think that is very easy to kind of emotionally latch onto. But is, are there any styles of music you guys would be tempted to try and sneak into your next score if the if it was appropriate? Yeah, I, I would love to do uh, two things with music um, if the situation comes. Uh, one would be um, progressive rock. I'd love, I, I love listening to this kind of music because uh, it has energy of rock, but it, 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 it also has some uh, intellectualistic approaches as well. Another direction I would love to explore is like a deep, dark jazz. But kind of like something that would stem uh, from uh, from Bernard Herrmann music, but in but kind of musical cousin, musical jazz cousin of this, like Taxi Driver or something. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be cool. I have a couple of things, but I'm not going to say because I don't want anybody to steal my <laughs> my ideas. The hell with them. Let them come up with their own cool stuff. Fair enough. Keep your uh keep your cards close to your chest on the soundtrack i really love personally i I love the um the underground village i mean it's probably you spend the most time there in the game but just it's got everything in that queue from across the score it feels like and and it's got these wonderful runs in it Which, 
you know, you're you're crawling along as a bug and you can see your little feet running along fast in front of you and then these, these delightful runs come in and out. I, I don't know which of you uh, did that particular cue. That was, I think that was mine, yeah. That must have been, was that just you You were feeling free and, and just keep keeping some motion in the piece? I took acid that day. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> acid Tuesday. <laughs> it was Acid Tuesday, right? Uh <laughs> right, <laughs> I had indigestion is what I meant to say. Now, um, no, I, I don't know. It just it just occurred to me. Uh, you know, uh, we didn't get any, much direction from them, but I do remember Mikolai, One of that one day they sang that. Don't forget to keep the humor in the score. I do remember a little bit of that direction from them. So it was the day before I wrote that. I. I, they said that, so I said, okay, this one, I can have a little more fun with this and have, be a little more free. Uh, and and, and I try, so I, I consciously made it a little more kind of quirky, and, uh, and uh, I, th- I think that's what inspired that. I've been asking composers a somewhat um, sticky question only because about the future, about next gen, you know, upcoming consoles is always an excuse to kind of future gaze a little bit. And I appreciate it's difficult that, that composers often can't talk about upcoming uh, or unannounced projects. And also when I think about metamorphosis, I don't think that the PS5 or the uh, Xbox Series X would have changed this game particularly uh, apart from, you know, loading times. But I artistically, I can't think of any way that it would be different because it was next gen. But personally, for each of you, um, are you excited about the next gen possibilities? Um, is there anything you're looking forward to trying in terms of interactive music? Yeah, I, I, I think that just seeing some of the visuals they're so stunning it's really quite dramatic and i think that'll be inspiring you know to both the game developers and to composers you know so i I, i'm hopeful you know technology alone does not create great art some of the greatest movies like lawrence of arabia was made you know before all the digital magic that we have nowadays by David Lean that, that I think that's one of the great still to me one of my favorite movies of all time and so we have all and, and we have a lot of horrible crappy movies being made nowadays that don't even come <laughs> yeah. close to that so you can have all this great technology it does not guarantee great work so it's so I think what is great is when you have all this great technology combined with really great filmmakers, game makers, whatever, television producers, that's what's, the potential is there. Whether it will be delivered will depend on, you know, on the creative uh, creative minds, you know, working and hopefully doing cool stuff. But it's certainly inspiring to look at this momentous uh, technology. The visuals are just stunning. 
the new uh, new generations of consoles will come with with bigger and, and faster hard drives. This will allow um, the games to be bigger, but also it will allow possibly to deliver music in higher resolution. And mm. so, yeah, as far as uh, art, uh, that like Gary said, it does not uh, uh, guarantee this. The inspiration will definitely come from wonderful visuals, but but the quality of sound will be better, and that, that's great. A couple of things have come up from different composers. Jason Graves was saying that... Oh, don't believe anything Jason says, <laughs> yeah. for God's sakes. <laughs> He's a good friend of mine, so I'm just, if you're listening, Jason, I was just joking. <laughs> he um, was saying about how, you know, at the beginning of the project with the audio director or whatever, the game director, there's big ideas for the music and then it gets cut down and it gets cut down and cut down. And then to some extent uh, with the, the current consoles, there was always a bit of squeezing things in terms of memory and, you know, some of the scope ambition fell away from the score i was talking to jim fowler who um, worked on the psvr the blood and truth where they did a lot of they had a lot of fun okay they were in-house at playstation so they had a lot of time and money to do this but they had a lot of fun with audio stuff and music interactive music things and he's kind of he was excited by the idea and this isn't necessarily a next-gen thing except maybe with 3d audio of one day having the equivalent of the trumpet, you know, in the, the concert hall, I can't remember which piece it is, where the trumpet section suddenly appears on the up on the balcony in the middle of the audience. And so the equivalent, musical equivalent of that with next-gen games in future, being able to do exciting interactive things where the music is foregrounded or is delivered in a way that uh, players aren't used to, Interactivity is going to become more creative and more interesting. I My caveat is always, do not let interactivity become the enemy of creativity mm. so that you're so weighted down with uh, complex interactive techniques and little short little snippets of music that have to connect to other short little snippets of music that you're not permitted you know, to give the full range of creative possibilities. So I I do see that as one warning sign uh, or concern that at least I think about, you know, that we we don't get so... Because, you know, I mean, the the ultimate analogy was something that Marty O'Donnell said at GDC one time many years ago. He said, you know, if you have, if you're doing a game and it's not a music game and you, let's say you're walking up steps and if you have a different note of a major scale on each step, uh, what's going to happen is the player is going to be playing, go, going up and down the stairs and distracted from the game. So if music gets too interactive, players are become aware of that very quickly and start playing the interactive score. And I think that is distracting and always a mistake. The music should be supporting and sucking you in, not distracting you and causing you to become super aware of just how interactive it is. You know what I'm saying? So I think there is a danger to music that is over-interactive, and I may, maybe I'll be proved wrong, but uh, uh, that's my opinion anyways.
presumably it's a question of roles as well. You know, Jason likes the tools. Olivier uh, Derivier loves the, the the middleware and tools and stuff. And there's, you know, different different composers approach it different ways. But Petri Alanko did Alan Wake and, and recently Control was saying he was very happy to just, you know, do his cues and then hand over the stems to the audio director and the audio programming team to do the work of putting it in the game. And it does strike me that, that that's a question of of roles and, you know, the size of the team and having each other's back. Olivier's done some really cool things uh, with interactivity, I have to say. And I use, uh, I, I talk about some of his stuff in my class because it's so cool. Um, and maybe we'll have, like, the JS Bach of interactive music someday who can <laughs> perfectly combine, you know, uh, quadruple fugues and cannons and... <laughs> into this magnificent score that perfectly matches every nuance. And then the players mute it anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let me add something. It's, it's a very interesting the, the discussion that we are having now because it's a, it's a question, like, like Gary said, it's, um, it's kind of, you, you, you have to strike a right balance between writing an um, interesting artistically valuable music but at the same time uh, you've got to make it interactive and very often those two approaches uh, are not happy together right I mean mm. if you're gonna I mean even the the act of looping music is uh, you know you have to make artistic sacrifices for this for this purpose and the the deeper you go into into interactivity, uh, possibly, the more you have to give up of the the artistic part of music. You Not compromise. You compromise the music to a certain extent. Compromise, yeah. And so the question is, what's gonna provide a better gaming experience for a player? Is it gonna be is it gonna be deeper music in terms of uh, artism? You know, in terms of emotions, I think the emotion is the most important thing. Yes, absolutely. Or is it gonna be? shaping the music for uh, very closely to what's happening in the screen, uh, to, uh, to players' choices. I'm, I'm not going to have a definite uh, opinion on that, but it's a, <laughs> a defined opinion on that. But it's, a, it's an interesting discussion. It's an, it's an interesting conversation to have. And I've thought about it many times. Yeah, even as a, as a player over the years who, who, who probably pays more attention to the music than some people... I'm definitely a melody man. I'm definitely yeah. an emotional uh, emotion person. You know, I, the the games you guys have worked on, that's my kind of thing. I would much ha rather have a rich emotional cue that supports the story than um, you know, incredibly discrete parts perfectly. But also, you know, the the flip side of that is very very occasionally you'll get repetition starts to annoy you even the best piece of music if it's looped in the wrong way or it i remember skyrim i'm standing in a shop uh, uh talking to a humble shopkeeper and then this huge romantic theme comes you know piling in um in completely the wrong moment because it's a it's a sort of a looping thing um, yeah oh, that's a mistake it, it, it... <laughs> yeah it sounds like they screwed that's... that one up <laughs> <laughs> Sekten 
Thanks very much to Mikolai and Gary for joining me for this Sound of Play interview. Metamorphosis is available on all major platforms. You should definitely give it a look. <laughs>